The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. And I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So this week, we are turning into a psychology podcast (laughs) once again. We cannot get enough of the facts. Well, the facts are important. The facts don't lie. I'm I'm not going to lie. Like when you guys DM us and tell us that you're learning things, I was like, wow, that's that's a weight (laughs) that we've got to to live up to this. So now we have all of the facts. Some girl actually commented on one of our TikTok videos and said that her university professor is allowing her to use our podcast towards uh, research time because we have enough sources on on our show notes that to is like, signify that we put in the research to incredible. Be- <laughs> use for something. Wow! I, I wish like I could- a new milestone. <laughs> Yeah, so she's like studying. She's based. I think she said that she was doing her bachelor's on psychology and like misogyny and stuff. And so she was listening to our like. I'm honored. I'm so honored. Um, I think I think the the psychology stuff has like taken this podcast to the next level of not just complaining about sexism, but looking at like why is this happening and like what can we do to stop it. I think it's been really helpful for our conversations. Oh yeah, because again, number one, we're never going to get anything thing fixed unless the men come into the picture which hopefully today's episode will help with and number two if we don't have any facts backing us who the fuck is gonna take it seriously when we show up and are like excuse me please yeah exactly please listen to us so you may be wondering why are we talking about men and when it comes to mental health on a podcast about sexism in the music industry because while men technically can't face sexism because that's not how this works, mental health is the only realm where they sort of feel the same, <laughs> stigmatized in any way, which must be a new weird emotion for them, which is another reason to go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in a way, because there's so much stigma around mental health, because it's like, oh, it's it's a womanly thing to talk about your feelings. Men don't talk about their feelings. Men don't cry. All that stuff is stigma for men to bottle up their emotions and then that leads to mental health disorders and it leads to treating other people in society really horribly often other non-men so this is why it's important to talk about the stigma around mental health and what men are doing about it because we could argue that society would be a safer place if a lot of men got the help they needed yeah and just like admitted to their mental health issues because there are a lot of mental health issues that are primarily seen in men that go untreated because men are just taught that that's just how men are and unfortunately in music we have these sort of two sides of men where it's like the men who openly talk about mental health and sort of put their money where their mouth is walk the walk talk the talk actually seek help and are talking about it in a way that's helpful and then there are the men who sing about their mental health and do nothing to further the conversation other than singing about it so because of that we felt like it was an important thing to talk about because throughout every woman's life you have at least one man (laughs) whose undiagnosed mental health issues have been detrimental to your mental health i would go as far to argue that most men i've come across have not been great people in my life i'm trying to be nice to them for once (laughs) okay because like we don't there's no real statistic on that so i just said one to be safe (laughs) yeah but there's only so much that the person who's being negatively affected by somebody else's bad mental health going to therapy can do because like if you're being therapized as a woman that doesn't help the man who needs to be therapized yeah 
because always that thing where it's like you can only teach so much to somebody who's unwilling to be like actually taught by the teacher so Mm. and i will say before we get into it if we're talking about this and narcissism and gaslighting is coming to mind just wait till the latter half of this episode because we are fully gonna unpack some of that as well yeah so this isn't a full safe space for men today it's only a 50 percent safe space for men (laughs) today because at the end i just want some reflecting going on here i feel like that's been the theme of the past couple episodes is that we i think (laughs) yeah i think our whole podcast is really like self-reflection figuring out how what we're talking about is something that you've personally experienced or you've been affected by or something you didn't realize you were affected by it's all about self-reflection self-exploration we just want you to become better people alongside us let's let's get into the stats oh i love some stats so okay Right off the bat, we have some suicide statistics from 2019 by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. The rate of suicide is highest in middle-aged white men. White males accounted for 69.38% of suicide deaths in 2019, which is basically 70% of suicide deaths. In 2019, men died by suicide 3.6 times more often than women. So clearly, you know, we're not just conjecturing men are more affected by mental health than other populations. Yeah, and I I found this really interesting when we were doing research on it because I found this BBC article by Helen Schumacher that was written in 2019 that's called Why More men than women die by suicide. It was said in the article that one study of more than 4,000 hospitals patients who had engaged in self-harm found that the men had higher levels of suicidal intent than women. And so basically it was saying how like women are 1.2 times more likely to attempt suicide than men are. But when men attempt suicide, the method of taking their lives is inherently more violent. And so basically what I'm getting from that and what I've gotten in the past from celebrities or people that have spoken openly about their attempts to commit suicide so just what I'm thinking of because it's fresh in my head was the Jesse Nelson documentary is that women tend to try and overdose have sort of like a peaceful going but also that gives you the opportunity to change your mind and I feel like like as somebody who has had very horrible bouts of depression I've never actually wanted to die but sometimes your brain just like if people think I want to die maybe they'll listen to me for the first time ever and I feel like that's a lot of women's experience at least from like my depressed friends who like we've had these conversations whereas men are like nobody can know that I feel this way so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna end it all as quickly as possible and that's basically what it sounds like they're saying is it's like these men are like okay I want to die gotta get this over with whereas these women sort of it's Sounds like they want the possibility to change their mind if it's not going how they think it's going to. Sorry, I laugh when I'm uncomfortable. Well, I also think it just kind of goes back to societal thing of men bottling up their aggression or men being more aggressive. And so their methods of going about suicide, it says are more violent. And like that could be also part of it. Yeah. I mean, like we really like did a a ton of research into the stigmatization of like men and therapy and men feeling emotions outwardly in any way and there was this really interesting article on this site called my well-being that was written by this woman named caitlin harper in 2020 the article is called why it's hard for men to seek therapy and how to start And she quoted from this research study called the meta-analysis of the relationship between conformity to masculine norms and mental health-related outcomes, which was conducted by scholars from the Indiana University of Bloomington. And in this study, they basically were saying that masculine norms negatively impact mental health and reduce the frequency of psychological help-seeking. So essentially, toxic masculinity is stopping men from (laughs) seeking help. Yeah, that they should just deal with their pain. And like we mentioned before, bottle up your emotions. And there's no real place for them to feel vulnerable, to feel like it's okay to unpack their emotions. Yeah, and I thought that it was really interesting because in this article it said that, like, we know that every mental health disorder affects men and women differently, which is why a lot of women in their mid to late 20s finally find out that they weren't depressed, they just had ADHD the whole time because it it shows differently in women than men. It's also why a lot of women are undiagnosed with autism for such a long time. But it was saying how a really common symptom of depression in men is their depression showing as anger. 
or like the feeling that they feel like instead of like melancholy which they still can feel but a lot more often they just feel angry which resonates I feel like that makes a lot of sense yeah that's why we think of men with anger issues or why they anger counseling instead of like actual therapy depression counseling well that's like when i was a kid one of my favorite movies was that adam sandler jack nicholson film anger management and everything about that movie like i watched it again when i was older and i was like this is just like a gateway drug to therapy <laughs> for men is yeah. like teaching men in like a group setting that like they can show any emotions with other men and i was like this is so crazy the hoops you have to jump through to make things accessible for people who are told that they shouldn't be accessible to them also in this my well-being article they spoke to a new york city based therapist called morgan rosen who is a man and he talks about how he's had therapy and he is a therapist and so he feels like he has this obligation to like address the need for other men to explore therapy even more so because he both is a therapist and has had therapy. But the one thing that really stuck with me that he said was that vulnerability and compassion only breeds vulnerability and compassion and men need to show men that more. And I feel like it's such a thing where like, so often like a lot of my guy friends that I've had most of their guy friends are friends that they've had since they were children they never really branch out because those people feel safe to them at least in my personal experience and they never are like emotionally open with each other they'll like hang out for hours and then I'll see one of them and they'll be like what'd you do last night and they'll be like oh like I hung out with Steve and they'll be like oh how was that what'd you guys do and they'll be like oh like we just like played PlayStation and like listened to music and I'm like did you talk Talk? they're like eh, like sort of i'm like oh, okay and then they like put all their emotional baggage on you as a woman yeah, yeah. because they're like oh she's emotional she'll understand it and it's like yeah. talk to steve about it yeah <laughs> like i'm not i'm not your therapist and it's just so interesting because like obviously there are men who have those relationships where they can be emotionally open with each other but i feel like it's so much less common because of like toxic masculinity and like the whole stigma around it and so if you are the one out of your group of five guy friends who is seeing a therapist talk about it be open with it like therapy isn't a bad word <laughs> like yeah. if you are open about your like emotional state and your mental health state with your friends then they'll be more open and you can stop being that guy in a friend group that's like why are all my guy friends treating their girlfriends like shit and it's like because you're the only one seeing a therapist Eric <laughs> like yeah and also, this is why it's important, as we're going to touch on a little bit later, this is why it's important for male artists who are speaking openly about this topic. Yeah. So another really interesting thing that I found out in doing research for this was through this Vice article by Philip Ellie written in 2017 called Here's Why It's Still Really Hard to Get Men to Go to Therapy. And at the time that the article was written, the American Psychological Association still had not issued any guidelines for treatment on how you treat men. Meanwhile, there were guidelines on how to treat LGBTQ people, women, like people with disabilities, like literally every subgenre of human had a pamphlet of like how to talk to this patient, but not men. But they did, they published one almost exactly a year after the spice article came out and i also learned from this article that they, they spoke to um this man called ron levant who was the former head of the american psychological association and he said that psychotherapy was originally created by men to treat women which i find really interesting yeah that kind of goes back to the fangirl psychosis thing well yeah but if you look back onto like the history of psychotherapy and all that stuff it's like there was like the whole thing of like hysteria and then like, ma yeah. like making up these like titles just because women were feeling emotions or like acting out in a way that they didn't think that they should and i mean like if women were depressed that's how they invented that vibrator like what <laughs> the big white one was to treat like women's melancholy but they basically would have an orgasm in a doctor's office <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. My favorite history fact that lives. Okay, that's something brain. to unpack another day. <laughs> so men saw an issue within women and were like, we need to treat that. <laughs> but they never saw it in themselves yeah, until like yeah. the 21st century. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just so wild because it's like the amount of men who have like killed their partners or done these things probably because they were struggling with mental health issues and were just always told like, oh, no crying, like suck it up. Crying's for girls. You shouldn't feel emotions. And that all just probably like, not to make excuses for murderers, but like... <laughs> It just always probably like pressure cooking these men because yeah. they're told like therapy is for women. Like the man who literally was the head of the psychological association was like, yeah, it's for women. <laughs> like, I mean, it's not what he's saying, but he's saying it was created for women and it needs to also benefit men because it can. Yeah. So they also pull from an Australian psychologist paper and they quote that in the present study, those men with the most positive therapeutic experiences were those with both a transparent collaborative clinician and an openness to flexibility in their masculinity. For these men, questioning long-held masculine beliefs and practices was integral to their recovery from depression. And so this goes back to our thing of it's hard for you to help someone who doesn't want help or doesn't acknowledge that they need help and especially isn't open to this idea of what toxic masculinity has done to them. And like, they also mentioned how in a paper that Levant had written in 1992, he boiled down like traditional masculinity to seven basic like norms, which is the number one thing is avoidance of femininity, then homophobia, self-reliance, aggression, achievement slash status, attitudes towards sex, and restrictive emotionality. And I just find This came out in 1992. (laughs) Like, it's just so interesting how they didn't have a how-to booklet on on how to, like, help men with their mental health issues until 2018 but in 1992 the same man running that association (laughs) wrote a paper being like hey here's all the problems with my fellow men yeah and like nothing came of it at the time and like yeah almost all of those reasons are reasons why men have killed people (laughs) it's just like sorry i'm like going crime junkie brain on this but it's just like it's insane to me how much masculinity is really truly so fragile and like the the author of this vice article like basically like in his conclusion was saying how because masculinity is so closely tied with your identity and depression can be a disorder of a person's identity mental health and their like conception of manhood are so closely intertwined that they just get so lost in it because they don't they're told that they can't seek help It, it is like after looking at the psychology behind this it is crazy how closely intertwined they are and like this it it starts to make a lot of sense of why we see this over and over and over again yeah and i think that's why it's so important to acknowledge when there are these men in music who are taking that extra step to as i said earlier walk the walk and show that they're not just singing about their feelings they're acting towards helping those depressive thoughts yeah because as we talked about a couple weeks ago like the pop punk emo genre is filled with men taking advantage of people and being trusted because of singing about depression but they don't talk about it whereas like these men we're going to talk about i think a couple of them if you're not a fan and are just aware are probably kind of unexpected to be this outspoken about this because they fit within this idea that we've been talking about of just like masculinity of men being interested in their music and men changing because of them so i think just based off of that i think we should start with my favorite man sam fender (laughs) yeah because i think that he and like the 1975 podcast boys said it best but he's on dark fruits twitter which means that men who think that strongbow is an alcoholic beverage of choice and grandeur follow sam fender as if he were the messiah and honestly at this point i'm like please follow sam fender as if he was the messiah because so for our non-UK listeners, can you just give a brief yeah. overview of what Dark Fruits Twitter is? Basically what Dark Fruits Twitter is, so it's more like Dark Fruits music. It's like these men who give off this like macho masculine energy and listen to indie music. But if you go to a pub with them, their drink of choice is cider with black currant in it, which means that they are drinking the fruitiest of fruity beverages, but it comes in a pint glass, so it's acceptable. So they're trying to give off that like masculine energy that we were talking about before, but deep down inside, they're just soft boys, really. <laughs> but they're angry. And this is why Sam Fender is so good for these men to have, because these men are angry, because they don't 
know how to like outwardly act essentially and for those of you who don't know who Sam Fender is Sam Fender is a UK based rock musician he's essentially British Bruce Springsteen he plays with a live band he makes all of his own music it's funny like you mentioned that movie earlier and that's what Sam Fender feels like it's like men are like, yes, here's a man band for me. And then it's like, surprise, it's therapy hour. You look at a photo of Sam Fender and Sam Fender looks like he was sculpted out of marble by an Italian man in the 16th century. <laughs> and then He does have some chiseled cheekbones. <laughs> and then you listen to his music. And if you aren't like doing that thing where you like, put a CD and lay in bed and you like soak it all in. You're just like, oh, this is just like a guy singing about his life, whatever. Yeah. But he's singing about some like hard hitting topics. And then if you become a fan and you go to like read about him, he's talking about hard hitting topic going back to 2018. And it's like, yes, this man has been making music for a very long time, but he didn't become sort of big or known, I think until like 2017, probably 2018. And he is from this town in like the north of England called North Shields. That's kind of like a poor seaside town is how he describes it in interviews and talks about it a lot. And he growing up, he has spoken about this in interviews, how he's had a lot of friends who've committed suicide and he's had to deal with that in growing up. He talks about it very candidly in a 2018 interview with the enemy. He talks about his mental health and how he's trying to like tackle toxic masculinity within his music. So basically like this interviewer, his name is Andrew Trendle. He spoke to Sam in October of 2018 and he basically was like, why do you think men hold back from speaking out about their mental health issues? And Sam goes, I genuinely think it's toxic masculinity and the idea of what a man is supposed to be. This really archaic, out-of-date idea of how a man is supposed to conduct himself. I think that's what kills men, genuinely. I personally struggled with that growing up and being a young lad in 2018 in Newcastle. I think everyone does. There are a lot of challenges we are facing, like how you're supposed to react to emotional stress. I've got no shame in it. I was told not to cry as a kid. It's that sort of backwards attitude so when we feel bad we feel ashamed or we feel like embarrassed and it's so sad that the bar is so low that it's like that's such a breath of fresh air yeah but that perfectly embodies everything we just talked about with the psychology stuff exactly of like the fact that he recognized that and the fact that he's using his fame to talk about that is incredible like it is incredible because this is like where we are you know at this point but as you just said like it's, it's almost sad that we have to believe it's incredible but this is where <laughs> we are so we do have to celebrate him for this <laughs> but i guess also as we and we've talked about this before too like it wasn't until like the past five years or so that yeah. the mental health conversation became more mainstream so the fact that two years ago he was talking so openly with such a big publication about his mental health and singing about it like he has a song on his debut record called dead boys which is literally just about the suicide issue in england and it's such a breath of fresh air and i mean he has a song called white privilege which i think is an incredible song just like acknowledging the privilege that he's come from it's personally one of my favorite songs by him and now i'm going to do something that i think is <laughs> that i'm very proud of myself that i can do i'm going to cite myself <laughs> yeah i will say in uh pre-context to this sarah is like maybe the sam fender expert over here because <laughs> i i was under the assumption that like i didn't expect much of him just because he is like a white man with a guitar i'm just like he's just another white man with a guitar but because sarah like has interviewed him and whatnot she's seen that totally other side of him that i would have otherwise overlooked yeah because i was always aware of that he was open about this stuff but i wasn't aware of just how open he was going to be basically i was just very interested in number one the fact that he's so open with his mental health and i just thought it was just so amazing sitting there and talking to this person who you could tell was very finally comfortable with being okay with the fact that he suffered from depression and so what he said to me was that like he only just had figured like started out how, how to talk about the feelings that he was feeling how to address them and how to talk about them and he, what he said to me was like for years i used to just punch walls and break my hands which wasn't a good thing to do because now i play guitar for a living and he goes i punched a wall once and struggled to play a gig and i just thought i can't do this anymore i have to talk about my feelings and this is what we were talking about earlier is that a major emotion that these men feel when they're depressed is just anger and it's just so 
interesting, like not being a psychologist and always having that thought in your head and then having somebody tell you that they did that in an interview and then coming back like a year later and doing research on something like this and being like, oh, (laughs) that's like a side effect of depression for men. Yeah. It is insane because, I mean, we just did the episode where we talked about even the Chris Brown and Rihanna situation, and it's bringing that to my mind. And anger sometimes is physical, but it's also sometimes emotional. It's also sometimes verbal abuse and psychological abuse. And that comes in with, like, the narcissism and gaslighting stuff we'll get to later. But it is so nice to see that he recognized it in himself and he, like, figured out a way to handle it properly. And so the other thing that I just found super moving about Sam's career and like I needed to talk to him about it. And I think every other interview has talked to him him about it. But basically he he was talking on BBC Five, like a radio show in England with this radio DJ called Niall. And they were talking about his song Dead Boys and how suicide is the biggest killer of men under the age of 45 in the UK. And this guy who was a fan of sam's was listening to the radio while he was on his way to go and commit suicide and so talk about kismet like talk about right place right time this is the wildest story ever but basically the guy was listening to the radio show heard sam talking about this and pulled his car over cried for three hours and then went back home to his wife and said i need help i need to get help And this man had sent an email to, I think, the radio station basically being like, hey, this is what happened. And so then Niall got both Sam and this man on the radio to talk about it. Sam got to meet him. They got to have an open discussion about how a man in the spotlight being open about his mental health saves somebody. And when Sam and I were talking, he was saying that sort of since then, he's had many men who are fans of his come up to him at shows and be like yeah your music has super resonated with me and has sort of changed the way that I go about my life and that's just so incredible and just so interesting because I feel like if you're not aware of Sam Fender as I said earlier like your preconceived notions of him are not going to be this yeah as mine weren't Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Yeah, because of like the people who listen to his music, because like his fan base isn't predominantly women. It's more leaning on men. Like there are a bunch of women who listen to him. Like, don't get me wrong. But anytime I've seen him in concert, it's more like 70, 30, like men to women. And so your first thought isn't going to be like, oh, this like incredibly handsome man with a voice of an angel is actually (laughs) like the therapy god to like angry men everywhere. But he like he weirdly is. And I just think it's interesting because like in doing research for this we were like oh the young blood young blood and like i'm not saying that young blood isn't doing things but i think because he looks more accessible and trustworthy to female fans he is lauded more so as like this mental health icon but i feel like he doesn't talk about it in the same way at least from what i was doing i don't know what your thoughts are that i think it's really interesting so he has multiple songs you know about mental health and he also like started a podcast in collaboration with bb and he has on different fans to talk about disability to talk about sexual orientation but he does several episodes where he talks about mental health with a Mm -hmm. fan and he has uh his music video for i think it's god save me you know was about mental health he wrote a post about you know what it means to be able to share that with everyone so he does 
do a lot and he's very like politically active and so i think that's why he like immediately comes to mind yeah but as you know sarah brought this point up i think that's really interesting of like what sam fender's doing isn't expected and so it's reaching a different type of audience whereas like young blood is reaching people almost who you'd expect yeah to be aware of those things already and i'm not saying young blood isn't making more people aware i'm sure he is but it's almost different because of his demographic I think you put that way better than I did. That was beautifully put. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's basically what it is, is what I meant by like, he is the package of what fellow mentally ill, like women and gender nonconforming, like non-men would go to because yeah. he looks safe compared to Sam, who looks like an untouchable person, basically. Like he gives off that package. Whereas Youngblood looks like somebody you would hang out with at, yeah. me at a gig and he would be like, oh yeah, like I actually have this mental health cult. Because that's, that's kind of what it's like. It's like everybody that's at those shows is accepting and is gonna want to be your friend and gonna want to talk about mental health and gonna want to talk about all of these things that are going on. Whereas like if you go to a Sam Fender show, you don't know that, but like the person standing next to you probably has like the same thoughts and ideas that the person standing next to you at a young blood show does but the environment's so different yeah it was just really interesting how much like an outward facing persona can like change the demographic that comes to you and who like you're affecting yeah and i think that's like the perfect segue into our next person of the hour which is james blake because i know he kind of has a cult following there's a lot of people who really love him and he was always on my peripheral as far as like music and stuff like i know that people love him but in my mind he's kind of like that straight down the line character of like like just a cis white man. Mm -hmm. And so in 2019, he did an essay and this was part, I think of like a collection of essays and the full thing is online. We'll have it linked in the show notes to read. And I was just like blown away by what he had to say because it, it almost imperfectly like encapsulate everything that we've been trying to get at with this. And is maybe the only example of a man ever recognizing he has issues in a positive <laughs> and healthy way. Um, so we're gonna read some quotes from this because it is quite long, but it is is like I think very, he hits on a lot of important points and one of them is that he says I'm still not sure I fully believe I'm entitled to be depressed or sad at all because I'm white and cisgendered and male and life for people like me is undoubtedly the easiest of any group but my privilege didn't make me want to stick around and it makes me feel even more embarrassed for having let go of myself and I think that is exactly what so many men feel when they feel like they can't talk about their mental health is like if they get to the point where they realize like things are bad for them but maybe they recognize like I have it better than other people so like I'm not allowed to show that I'm depressed or where it is when it's like in actuality everyone can feel pain and everyone is valid in feeling their own pain and that doesn't mean that a white man is less worthy of getting help than a person of color or a woman you know what I mean? Yeah. Reading that section is just so sad because I feel like also because the the stigma around men getting therapy and men getting help is so strong. These men don't understand that being depressed doesn't always have anything to do with like how good your life is. Like there are chemical imbalances. There's so many other things that go into play inside your body, which has no color, no anything. Like it's just every, the inside is the same for everyone. It has nothing to do with what's going on in the outside world. Like there are so many people throughout history who have been outwardly successful, like Robin Williams. Who would have ever thought that Robin Williams would have committed suicide? And then you find out that he was suffering from all of these issues. There's just so many outwardly like successful and like very privileged men in fame and just like not in fame who have died by suicide it's just so sad and like we were just saying it's like if you're not within that community like young bloods created where everybody sort of automatically knows that everyone's open to talk about these sort of things you might just think that like everybody around you is fine when they're probably not but they think that they can't talk about it because they don't fit within like the societal picture of the type of people who look like they talk about that stuff 
Yeah. And I have always like, cause growing up, I struggled with anxiety and depression personally, especially as a teenager. And I just could never imagine how could somebody not experience mental health issues? I just, and yeah. even now, like, cause it, you know, there's stats of like, oh, this percentage of the population is affected by mental health in some way. I'm like, how can somebody not be affected by mental health? I think everyone is, it just manifests in different ways and not everyone is aware that it's happening to them or they think like, oh, well, it's not as bad for me as it is for somebody else. So like, I can't, you know, say anything about it when I think everyone is affected by it in one way or another. Yeah, I think definitely. There's another part of his essay where he says like, I will downplay or skirt around how desperately sad I have been. Instead, I emphasize how much happier I am now. I emphasize the work I had to do to get to a better place and how it was hard and fruitful work and how I empowered myself by doing it. And so this is again, like he acknowledges so many things that we see men, like we've even personally experienced men doing in our lives. Like he knows that like, he's talking about oh how i came out of it and because it's that's another thing of toxic masculinity instead of being like yeah i was in a really dark place and talking about that it's like oh but look how much better i am now and he's like recognizing that he's doing that in himself too yeah and i think the other really interesting thing that he touched on that we also wanted to talk about today is that he acknowledges that like once he started getting his success that he was starting to be like pursued by women and that a lot of these women were people who throughout his life had like pushed him away and showed no interest in him but suddenly he was like talented and popular and now these women are showing interest in him and so he was like becoming relatively famous my persecution complex turned into a self-serving narcissism and my obsession with proving my worth to people who'd underestimated me was now being rewarded financially to those ends my first emotional language music had been the vehicle I wanted to show everyone what they'd missed out on for all those years so it's like this mixture of feeling less than for a lot of his life and suddenly he's getting famous and these like women are showing interest in him and then he starts getting money from this and he starts being like oh look how cool I am and it's like he so easily could have just turned into like the worst kind of man I think that exact thing is what so many musician dudes are like there's so many dudes who like weren't cool in high school or like it's not even about not being cool it's that nice guy syndrome thing where it's like they think they were the nice dude and like women didn't like them they always rejected them and then they became a rock star and now the women want them and it goes to their head and they do whatever they want like that's exactly what that is well if you google like why are musicians narcissistic the amount of like personal essays and youtube videos and like other things with like no real backing so like we can't talk about them here that come up are insane. It's just so crazy. And we're going to go into some more psychology th- facts and a couple of artists that that thought process of like, oh, like, look how cool I am now. And like that narcissism that he acknowledges he was starting to have or that was inflated even. There are so many male artists who get that, like the, because I feel like everybody has like narcissistic tendencies. I feel like yeah. it's impossible not to. But I think that like once the narcissism like itch gets there, if you keep scratching it, it can become a very big issue. Based on our research, around 6% of the population has narcissistic personality disorder, which is when it's actually diagnosed. But the thing is, number one, that stat is higher for men than it is for women. And number two, a lot of people with NPD are undiagnosed because they don't think there's anything wrong with them. So they don't seek help. So narcissistic traits can like show up in people, but actual diagnosed NPD is a different thing. But this is like, if you don't think you need help, you're not going to seek help. So I actually think this number is probably a lot higher than it's reported. Oh, it it definitely is. And I mean, like, I know that we all assume that we know what narcissism means, but just to like give you a psychologist's description of it, we took this from a Psychology Today article that was written in 2017. But basically, a narcissist is somebody who has buried his, and this person specifically said his, which I find interesting. <laughs> they go, um, who has buried his true self-expression in response to early injuries and replaced it with a highly developed compensatory false self. This alternate persona often comes across as grandiose, above others, self-absorbed, and highly conceited. 
And narcissism does tend to go hand in hand with gaslighting, which Jenna, would you like to explain our favorite form? I would love the honor. Gaslighting is a form of persistent manipulation and brainwashing that causes a victim to doubt her or himself and to ultimately lose one's own sense of perception, identity, and self-worth. And the term gaslighting is derived from the 1944 film called Gaslit. I think this is really interesting that like gaslighting is an actual studied topic because that I feel like that term has been so buzzy or like popular in the last two years or so, or at least it occurred to me that way. But like the fact that like it's real, like we're not making it up, like gaslighting is real. It's studied by psychologists. It sounds like the world has been gaslighting you into thinking that gaslighting is fake. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, literally. Boys and bands have turned gaslighting into a meme on the internet. That's why I like didn't know it. Yeah, because when I think of gaslighting, I just think of the indie boy meme of like the Mac DeMarco fan who's like, I'm so in touch with my emotions. I wear my beanie and I skateboard, but like I'm a gaslight the shit out of you. Yeah, and I mean, it is like, it's a meme that goes around everywhere because this is, a very big issue in the music scene of the gaslighting of these men singing songs about their mental health issues, thus making you automatically trust them because you're like, oh, they're open about their mental health, but then not doing what Youngblood, Sam Fender, James Blake are doing because they don't walk the walk, talk the talk. They just sing about it and they don't give you access to help. They don't yell from the rooftops about how they've suffered. Like they just sort of honestly view mentally unwell teens as a paycheck. And before we get to our prime example, I want to read. So this article was like kind of like six behaviors between gaslighters and narcissists. So if you're interested, you can go see more in our show notes. But like one particularly poignant thing they said here was that although narcissists and gaslighters can be physically abusive, the majority of their victims, emotional suffering is where the damage is most painfully felt. Both narcissists and gaslighters enjoy spreading and arousing negative emotions in order to feel powerful and keep you insecure and off balance. And I think that is is like a huge thing, especially when we think back about our sexual misconduct episodes, when alleged abusers deny allegations, they're like, no, that's not what happened at all. Like those are lies. Like that whole thing is gaslighting. Yeah. It's so frustrating because narcissism can lead to sociopathy and like psychopathic behavior. And it's just like, uh, it's honestly terrifying because like narcissists, have that very enigmatic personality they draw you in they pull you in and then because narcissism and gaslighting go so closely hand in hand that then can like lead to abuse and that can lead to like other behavior because this narcissist begins to like enjoy the like high they get from making others feel less than essentially and one more thing just to clarify narcissism is when you basically manipulate other people into like worshiping you and gaslighting is when you manipulate other people and like you're controlling them so like one wants power and the other wants control so like slightly different things they can go hand in hand but i think that's why there's narcissistic like tendencies but we see like gaslighting happen a lot And I think gaslighting is something that's probably one of the most common things that we've all experienced in different relationships, whether or not it was a romantic relationship. I think everyone can think of our particular instance when they have felt gaslit or, you know, and and so the reason we're talking about this when it comes to mental health is because men think that's okay because they haven't properly worked through their emotions. This is like one of the ways they take it out on other people with gaslighters trying to control others and make them feel like their reality is not true. Basically, one of the articles that we had pulled is literally titled Narcissistic Abuse Affects Over 158 Million People in the U.S., which is like a research paper that was written for Psych Central and it was medically reviewed by the Scientific Advisory Board. So like lots and lots of psychologists, people who have studied this for years, put work into this research essay to like prove that these thoughts were true. And they were basically were saying that like one in every 25 people will have a disorder, a associated with having no conscience, which is part of narcissism. So it's like antisocial personality disorder, sociopathy and psychopathy. And this can like affect so many people in its wake. And a lot of these issues are just never 
diagnosed properly until the issue leads to something disastrous. Because again, the stigma around mental health. So these men never seek mental health help. And as Jenna had said earlier, like there is scientific proof that like more men suffer from narcissistic personality disorder. So it's all kind of full circle of these issues leading to something bigger. Yeah. And I think one of the most problematic ways that we see this pop up is the meme of the indie boy gaslighter is like they think they're a feminist. This is why this is an issue is like a lot of these gaslighters think they're feminists. And it also is, again, like tying it back into like the sexual misconduct episodes that we did. It's like essentially like because these people are narcissists and they dabble in gaslighting, they will utilize that voice to make them feel powerful. So they will sing, as I said earlier, these songs about their mental health issues and not really acknowledge the mental health issues on stage or in press or in any other way other than in their music. But the fans who are seeking out music to make them feel less alone will then be really malleable and easily accessible victims to these people because they're like, oh, they trust me already. I can use this to my advantage. I don't think it's something that like most people are like thinking about. They're like, oh yes, if I sing about mental health, I can take advantage yeah. of the, like, I don't think most people are thinking that, but because of the way like narcissism and gaslighting both work, it's just how it ended up. Like, yeah. I, like I don't think most people are conscious of it, but this is why and how it's happening. Yeah, it's not it's not something that's premeditated, but and I know I was making it sound like it's premeditated, but it's the slippery slope of things of like undiagnosed narcissism and then gaslighting and then writing this music because you are suffering, but you don't want to admit that you're suffering because the stigma and you being a man and all of that other stuff. And then everything else I was saying, it all sort of like slips down into leading into this because you put yourself in this situation of not wanting to seek help outside of the lyrics you write. And this is the thing is that there are a lot of artists who are trying to be good role models, talk about their mental health in a healthy way. I'm going to try really hard to talk nicely about Ashton Irwin for a little bit. So we're going <laughs> to we're going to have some fun with that. But he he genuinely did release a very good mental health focused solo album called Super Bloom like late last year and he sings and talks very openly about his struggle with body dysmorphia and mental health issues and as I've said every single time I think that Ashton Irwin always gets about an inch close to the point to like 100% hitting it on the the nail on the head and then he like diverges into like toxic masculinity by accident And it's never, I don't think he does it on purpose. So in a 2020 spin interview with Liza Lentini called Ash and Irwin's Brave New World, they're talking about the album and he is saying a lot of good stuff, but it's always just slightly missing the mark. So basically what Ashton is saying is he goes, I want to heal other young men in situations that they, then he cuts himself off and he goes, the way young men are perceived in this society, like the amount of times I hear the phrase men are trash is so upsetting in pop culture. And it's like, he was going in the right direction, stopped himself, (laughs) but went the wrong way. Yeah. So he says, I think just young men can be so much better and so much more exposed to their good side in society. I want to nurture that. And it's such an, (laughs) so he's basically like, men aren't talked about highly enough in society. And it's like, that's not it. But then he continues and he says, I don't feel like I can talk about, yes, I want men to be better, but I think I need to. By better, I mean more caring, less misogynistic. From when I was young, I've dealt with men who get caught up in their own things and that affects women in a terrible way. I'm not saying that I'm better than either. I'm just aware men have a lot of fucking work to do to prove their worth in society at this point. So he gets to the point eventually. Like he's aware, he's so aware, but he's like, I can only admit I'm aware so many times (laughs) he's trying so hard he's trying so hard and I'm just like oh oh, I know I was I know I bullied you so hard but just let me let let us talk to you dude Because like without that second part of the quote, it entirely misses the mark. He's just like, because people say men are trash, our whole gender is defamed in society and we're like, that ain't it. That ain't it, dude. This is a thing of it's like, it's so palpable the inner fight between Ashton Irwin and like the narcissism demon that lives inside of him. And it's so like, it's honestly endearing. (laughs) 
I'm like, I just want to invite him on this podcast so we can like help him talk through this because he's like, he's trying. And like, maybe we can help him get to the point. (laughs) Cause like, it's, it's all there. Like, I feel like he has all the building blocks, but he keeps trying to like, or like, he's like doing a puzzle and he has like two pieces left and he keeps trying to shove the wrong piece in the wrong hole, even though it's so obvious it's the wrong (laughs) hole because there's only two pieces of the puzzle left and like one's a corner. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, come on, dude. This is like a palatable example of somebody who very clearly thinks very highly of themselves and like talks very highly about themselves, but at the same time is very aware of the issues that are happening, but like doesn't really know how to talk about it properly. But I do appreciate the fact that he isn't just putting out music that's talking about his mental health struggle. He's also trying to talk about it in interviews. Mm -hmm. It's just never 100% on point. But I do do appreciate the effort. (laughs) Because there are bands that put in zero effort, like 21 Pilots. (laughs) Oh boy. This one's a lot to unpack. So I used to be a really big 21 Pilots fan when I was a teenager, when their first record came out, even when Blurry Face came out, I was in college. I was a big fan of 21 Pilots and me and my best friend, who also was dealing with, you know, we were both dealing with a lot of mental health issues when we were in high school. We latched onto their music because he was speaking about the same things we were going through. And I didn't realize, because I kind of fell away from the fandom, I didn't realize there was actually some issues surrounding this until Sarah brought it to my attention. I've always just been aware of 21 Pilots. I was never a fan of theirs. I think their music's good, but like I just never got into it. And a lot of people that I have been friends with or like friendly with have come out over the past like two years with lots of just like blog posts and Twitter posts and all these like thoughts about how they feel like this band kind of tricked them. And so there's not that much real journalistic hardcore evidence behind anything like nefarious or whatever but it is just that issue of them sort of creating a world around their mental health struggles but never making mental health something that their fans felt was accessible to them if that makes sense i feel like the way that they went about it was like i can be mentally ill but if you are i don't care and i don't think it's possible because they didn't do any like i don't know which album it is it was like a thematic album where they're like trying to escape some like world or something and the world is basically just like them trying to escape depression but yet even though that's what they're doing they're not putting like how their fans can get help because they got help They did do some interviews talking about how mental health shapes the album, but they haven't done anything to go to the next step as to say like, hey, if you're going through it, here's how you can reach out to others. Here's therapy help. Here's a suicide hotline. They haven't gone the extra step to actually be beneficial they just are like music is my outlet to deal with my mental health issues which is great it's a lot of people's outlet but for a lot of people that's not enough for you to get through it like you need actual help beyond just the music sometimes yeah and i feel like it's one thing to be like oh yeah like we're using the music to talk about our mental health and it's another thing to be like here's how i got help for my mental health outside of my music and here's how you can too or like how like sam's talking about is like super relatable where like he he doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, my listeners have to get help or like James Blake or Youngblood. They're not being like, you have to get help, but they're talking about it in a way that makes therapy and help feel accessible. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like from what I've read about 21 Pilots, nothing ever feels like they're making it sound like mental health help is accessible. It's just always like, yeah, we are talking about our mental health and here's how you can help yours too. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, we are talking about our mental health, but I'm not going to tell you like what I'm doing to fix it. <laughs> Like, it just feels like this weird secret. Because they know that their fan base is primarily depressed teenagers. The criticism has been like, okay, they found their niche of depressed teenagers. We're going to keep writing music and selling it to these depressed teenagers and not do anything to help them. Like, not do anything beyond that. And so this goes back to the question of, because they have such a huge platform, do they have a responsibility to do more? Yeah. What's your take, Sarah? I mean, I think 100% yes. And like, this is, I know that this is like a hot topic whatever famous people don't owe people anything in the long run but they don't owe people anything in that like i don't deserve to know who like who was at jennifer lawrence's wedding like i don't deserve to know what Gigi hadid and zane's 
daughter looks like like I don't deserve that information but if a famous person is making their money off of the fact that I am depressed and I feel safe in their music I feel like they owe me resources they owe me something to feel like because music music can only do so much especially when you're a depressed person going to other depressed people to listen to them sing about being depressed yeah like there is potentially that point where you are so low as a music fan that the depressed music makes you feel like oh if they can't get better I can't get better this is their fourth album they still haven't gotten help yeah and so it just boggles my mind and it's like that thing like good Charlotte is rich and famous now and they're still singing about how the rich and famous are better than them and I mean like that's just like a funny way to think about it but it's like we know that you're not those poor kids from like Waldorf Maryland anymore but you're still singing like you are whereas like 21 pilots have all this money have all this stuff it's like okay yes mental health issues don't go away but it's like have like one song about the sunny side of the fucking street I mean just coming from somebody who has been like on the brink before if at those points in times I didn't have McFly who were like happy music and a lot of people don't have happy music to go to and so when you listen to an artist who consistently sings about their like deteriorating mental health and yet there's not an interview you can go to to read where they're like oh this is what I did like yeah. they're like that's insane to me like with fallout boy like if they didn't have interviews where Pete openly talked about his mental health issues outside of their music i would just feel like they did to me a huge disservice it feels like gaslighting essentially yeah that's kind of what it feels like almost so in 2020 there was a lot of controversy around 21 pilots because they said nothing about black lives matter which tyler joseph has gotten a lot of criticism in the past for potentially being anti-lgbtq potentially being anti-blm but he like in september so way after the prime time of June, July was happening, he tweeted and he made a joke and he was wearing platform shoes. And he was like, because you always tell me to use my platform, here I am. And people were pissed. They were like uncalled for, untimely joke, first of all. And then second of all, he's tweeted that. And then he started to go on talking about mental health. And people were like, no, we were asking you to use your platform to talk about Black Lives Matter. Then he had to go back and be like, oh, also Black Lives Matter, here's a resource list. So he got a ton of backlash for that. And then a few days later, he followed it up with like, you don't know what someone else is going through, what other invisible weights they may be struggling to carry. Keep that in mind as you go about your interactions. And then he says, I respect all the warriors out there fighting for different causes. There's honor in it, purpose. It can make our world better. I just want to remind you what I'm fighting for. Your mental health is more important today than it has ever been. You're not alone. So it's kind of like, hey, I recognize there's other people fighting for other good things, but I'm not going to support Black Lives Matter. I'm going to instead say because I'm dealing with so much I can't do that which like I understand especially when you are someone who has mental health issues I think it's a lot for people to expect you to like always be the most perfect spokesperson but I think also he has such a big platform he has such a big team around him like if he personally can't handle the weight of that somebody on his team could be like hey here's a really easy way to tweet about Black Lives Matter and like a resource link and instead he was like that's not for me to talk about i mean also and like i don't know if this is just like me being a jew and reading into everything but like when somebody says something so blanket as like there's lots of warriors fighting for lots of different causes i'm like do you mean also the white supremacists yeah i mean i don't know if that's me being a jew and assuming the worst There's a difference between like black people who are literally losing their lives to police brutality and white supremacists and then like depression. Like they're very different things. And so to be like, oh, it's not my cause to fight for black people is kind of like, (laughs) well, oh, well. Uh, It's like, but you also throughout your whole career have never done enough about the mental health conversation. So like fucking pick a lane and actually like follow through with it. So is it? It's just it's just frustrating because it's like there is that part of me that it's like okay, are they bullying him? Then maybe because it's like you don't know what people are going through. But like I don't think his fans are bullying him. I think they're just being like, hey, why the fuck aren't you like making me feel like you care about me? Because I mean, 
they never. they love him so much they want him to care about them as much as they care about him and that, that's kind of sad but for so four days later he followed it up on september 6th and he said today is the start of suicide prevention awareness week i encourage you to reach out to three people in your contacts and simply ask how they are doing an actual phone call is best push through the awkwardness chances are you'll both be inspired and encouraged hashtag keep going so like here's one time where he actually used his platform to speak on like suicide awareness like on the actual day slash week when it was important yeah it's just frustrating because i feel in a way that artists like this they trick like not on purpose but they're like tricking their fans because like there are so many young people who find their music resonate with it and are like oh yeah they're super great mental health advocates and it's like no they're not like we named three that are like and there's so many more than that but like we only have so much time to talk about something without making you guys be like jesus sarah jenna shut the fuck up so hold on i'm just like reading more of his tweets he says mentally emotionally this was like the first thread mentally emotionally i can only carry so much because what i do care about is so heavy the thought of adding more on top of that makes me want to stop trying but we can never stop trying so that's what i'm saying is like it is sometimes hard for people with depression to function outside of just surviving but at the same time he has a team he has other people on his team who are not depressed who like could help who can help him do this and that's the thing that's frustrating is it's like there are so many like small artists who suffer just as much and don't have the same resources or money and they still share shit and they'll be open in interviews and they'll tweet about stuff and then here's 21 pilots who are massively successful have tons of money have a huge team backing them who know what their fan base is because that's their fucking job to know and it's like they can make them fake woke if they want to it's not difficult to like literally tweet black lives matter and like a donation link that takes almost no effort we're not asking you to be a spokesperson we actually like the absolutely are not doing that but also (laughs) it just makes it feel even more so that he is like don't do that because if he didn't like i don't know i just feel like if a team is good at what they're doing literally like fucking wendy's tweeted about black lives matter like if wendy's (laughs) can tweet about black lives matter then like somebody on like whoever their label is can just like set out a freaking slightly different mass tweet for every artist that they know isn't a racist yeah I think the Black Lives Matter conversation was so poignant this summer because it literally came down to there are actual racists in our country who are like publicly being very loud about being racist. So you have to very publicly be loud about being anti-racist because that's what it comes down to in this country. And that's why that was like so important for artists to just speak up this one time. If you're going to speak up, it better be now. Yeah, it's always frustrating when people don't speak out about things. And I think that it sounds like 21 Pilots fans had like all this pent up resentment in a way about their lack of speaking about mental health. And then it all sort of came to a head with the Black Lives Matter situation where Tyler just like not giving a shit. But I think that's also just his response very much felt like he was so self obsessed, self aggrandized narcissism, if you will, that it's like, well, I matter more than this. And it's like, sweetie, you don't. And I feel like that's a lot of the issue with these kind of fake woke men in music who sing about their mental health struggles and do nothing else besides that. There are artists out there who are creating safe spaces who are slowly making the world a safer space for everyone. Because I I don't know about you, Jenna, but I mean, if a man can actually acknowledge that like oh yeah like i'm seeking mental health help i'm seeing a therapist and like talk about it and you can tell that it's affecting them i automatically feel more comfortable around them but the issue is is that like there are a lot of there are men who do seek mental health help but suffer from narcissism and the doctor can't just be like hey you fucking idiot you're a narcissist this is your problem and so i think that there also is that issue of like not every person is going to be like sam or or Youngblood or James Blake, they're not going to be able to like admit that they do suffer from narcissistic issues. And when you don't admit to that, then seeing a therapist is never actually going to do anything. Yeah, because you have to be willing to like admit and even just willing to realize and acknowledge the ways in which you've acted are maybe not the best. Yeah. And I think that that's just like a big thing and why it's so important to like talk about this and acknowledge that these things go hand in hand. It's like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having narcissistic tendencies. 
as we said earlier, almost everybody has narcissistic tendencies, but you need to be willing and like comfortable enough to admit that you have those tendencies to ever fix anything. Because a lot of what plays into from what we are reading and like we're going to have a bunch of links in the show notes to like these psychological papers and stuff but the gist of all of it is that like narcissism sort of pushes a lot of people into having like depression and all these other issues because people don't really take well to people who have super strong narcissistic tendencies so then that affects these people's mental health but they don't want to admit to it so then they lean more into narcissism and they're like well I'm just too great for everybody and so even if they are seeking therapy if they can't admit that the issue issue is that they're just like self-aggrandizing themselves all the time then nothing's ever going to get better yeah so I feel like we've just put a really big job on our shoulders of like this episode we're trying to open the eyes <laughs> of these people and I think yeah I think that's all we can do at this point is like hopefully this conversation will make you see things in a different way because to me like now after this conversation feminism and mental health go hand in hand mm-hmm. and so if they are feminists but they're gaslighting or they're speaking they're singing about mental health in like a not like helpful way i don't know i think maybe just realizing or thinking critically about that and then also if you're someone who maybe you'll realize in yourself like the ways in which toxic masculinity has made you close up has made you not want to talk about those emotions or has made you feel like you can't even talk to your friends about it no matter what your gender is i think there's still a stigma around mental health and so hopefully like while we don't have answers for this just having this conversation is hopefully going to open people's eyes and like having that moment of like self-reflection of how have I personally been part of this system oh yeah no a hundred percent and I I feel like that's all we can really hope for is helping people just acknowledge these things because I feel like just in doing this podcast I've become so aware of like behaviors that I've had or all these other things of being like oh like I wasn't wrong in feeling that way or oh I shouldn't have acted in that way just in myself and it's just been really fulfilling like learning all of this stuff and being like oh that wasn't a crazy thought or whatever the case is yeah and I feel like when we talk about this self-realization thing I think there's so many men who like really want to be feminists and like don't know where to start or who like are actively working towards being feminists or you know continuing to uphold those values and sometimes get lost along the way because it is hard it is it's really hard nobody's perfect when it comes to this but I think this conversation is really helpful and like hopefully opening some eyes realizing how like even if those you say you may be a feminist realizing how you may not necessarily always be acting in that way i've said this a bazillion million times of just like the factory default setting is misogyny just like the factory default setting for white people is racism and all these other things it's like you have to be anti-racist you have to be an anti-misogynist basically and so it's like no especially with men like i feel like it's a lot easier for women to acknowledge that they did have internalized misogyny or just outright misogyny because of just what's out there lately and like women caring about other women is like (laughs) becoming more okay i mean like female friendships was were always acceptable whereas like male friendships i feel like over the past couple years are finally like oh like hug your friends (laughs) but i just feel like don't beat yourself up or like stop trying to be a feminist if you get caught up in like your misogyny comes out like it's not that's not your fault but it's like just be wary of like the language you use when you speak to women or the way you speak about women and all these things are just like tiny steps you can take and that's also just part of mental health it's like being comfortable enough in yourself that you can see as like a somebody who identifies as male is like acknowledging that like it's okay for women to be like strong and outspoken and have more quote unquote masculine traits like there's nothing wrong with that and I think that's just like a lot of again the self-reflection and that whole thing of just like being comfortable in yourself so that you can be comfortable with like women existing in the way that they exist and so mental health and feminism do go really hand in hand really Um, like such a big realization yeah mind blown I hope your mind is blown too all right we are back with band of the week in 30 seconds or less Sarah are you ready I'm just setting my timer but I am ready (laughs) all right gonna take it away in three two one okay so I'm talking about a solo artist this week um 
Maggie Lindemann, who I think is possibly the coolest person ever. Like, I wish I could be her for a day. Um, she had a new CD come out called Paranoia Quite recently, which I haven't listened to yet. But if her singles are any, like, idea of what this album's like, I'm sure it's amazing. She's kind of, like, pop punk meets pop music. And I, she's just the coolest person ever. And I think she has a beautiful voice. And I think she might take over the world. <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks. I hope that people will listen to her. So we hope you learned something. I feel like we, even though we've been doing research for a while, we just like learn a bunch of stuff just by- We learn it as we have this discussion. Yeah. That's why it's so important. Yeah. Because I mean, there's only so much you can do when you're like doing something within your own brain. So having the conversations out loud are really helpful. So we hope that you continue these conversations with your friends, share the episode with some people. So if you have any thoughts, concerns, if you have any other artists who are making- mental health accessible to other men like totally let us know you can reach us on every social media platform at name three songs you can talk to us personally i'm at sarah underscore fagan and jenna is at jenna underscore million if you want any extra content you want more access to us we have our patreon which we have like a discord extra episodes all that fun stuff at patreon.com slash name three songs so thank you so much for joining us this week on name three songs until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember you're never too cool to listen to harry styles don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about any of the sources we reference in this episode you can visit name3songs.com it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.